much to me It's hard to say Where I went wrong Love is wasted On the young There's a little white ship Sailing through the night Moon on the rain Shining big and bright Barefoot sailors Boil their water for tea As we're rolling along Hello everyone, this is Chuck from Above the Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. The COVID pandemic hit all of us quickly, and our plans for the spring, summer, and perhaps beyond were scuttled. We know of many musicians who were planning to tour a new album, and unfortunately they had to postpone. Or in the case of Rye Kavanaugh of the amazing band Session Americana, cancel altogether. Hopefully, we can change his mind about the tour, but at the very least, we get to hear his beautiful album of songs that Rye gathered, written by his late father, George, also known as Bobby Ped. We were about to sit with Rye before the pandemic hit, and while safety and health kept us from being in the same room, we were still able to chat virtually about his father, the new album called Time for This, and how Session Americana, featuring many of the great musicians in Boston, came to be. Christina Latino, our good friend from Cornerscape, joined me this go-around, so we'd like to thank her for joining us. So here is our conversation with Rye Kavanaugh, recorded virtually from our respective abodes in various places in Boston, Massachusetts. Well, thank you for joining us, Rye. We tried to do this a month ago. And then all hell broke loose, obviously, and it threw a wrench into everybody's plans for record releases and for shows and for festivals and just general life and breathing fresh air without a mask in front of your face. Um, but I'm glad we got to finally do this. And you're our first. We, we've done up to 150 episodes, and we actually put another episode in the can before everything kind of came to a screeching halt. Um, so you'll be episode number 152. Man, yeah, a lot of episodes. Congratulations on the milestone. That's awesome. You know, when we hit when we hit episode 100, we weren't sure who should be episode 100. It seemed like a big milestone. We decided to skip it all together. So we go from episode 99 to episode 101. We didn't want to give anyone that kind of like you know, maybe if it was Obama or something like that having a. <laughs> but uh, your episode 152. But uh, but and Christina, thank you for. For joining me, you know that Ron Ronnie Hirschberg, my co-host, uh, he's the chief medical officer for Boston Hope, which is the off-site Mass General Hospital setup for people with COVID. He's set up there, otherwise engaged, trying to be a healer. So. Yeah, it's amazing. Actually, I, I was emailing with him just a couple of weeks ago. Marcarelli did like a little Zoom yeah, to yeah. play some music for some of the doctors and nurses working with those patients to kind of like give them a treat. It's funny. I like knew he w- worked in medicine, but when you get an email where he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really busy right now. Cause I'm, you know, the new chief medical officer at the COVID recovery hospital. It's like, all right. It sounds more highfalutin than it actually is, but <laughs> we'll give him, we'll give him that chief medical officer. CMO. Sounds pretty highfalutin. Sounds good. Sounds good. You know? Yeah. 
but Rye, let's talk about you. How how are you doing? Tell us how how things have been going in this in love in the time of COVID. <laughs> well, you know, it's just interesting to hear you talk about people in the medical world, and it's it reminds me that this moment is hitting so many people in different ways. And for a lot of us in the music industry, obviously derailed a lot of the stuff we were looking forward to doing, but we don't have anything to do really. I mean, we can hang out more or less. And, you know, if you're, you know, got unemployment, which, you know, thank God they put that through the feds. I can't believe they pulled that off, but you know, it, it really helped us and uh, I think it's just hitting everybody differently. And uh, and for musicians, we're not definitely not frontline workers. Um, so obviously there's been a lot of, you know, online stuff happening. But I think that for a lot of the, my friends uh, and certainly for myself, it's it's been a time to uh, slow down. And I really feel like I wish that I could have done this for myself <laughs> without... Mm this disease hitting. Not that it's felt good because it's hard to feel good about anything right now, but I'm not mourning the loss of the work as much as I thought I would. I actually been working plenty the past few years. So uh, it's actually been nice to focus on some other things and, and to not travel. Have you found that it's given you new ideas or a new shape to kind of the projects that you want to do coming up? I feel like sometimes that, that kind of a hard reset you know, everyone's always moving so quickly. It's really easy just to like take the the logical next step. And now all of a sudden yeah. we have all this time sitting at home. I'm wondering how it's kind of impacted your like more long-term thinking. Yeah, I, I'm not there yet. I really am not. I'm just, um, w- one thing that I have been sort of meditating on, I suppose, for lack of a better word, is the idea of like, well, what what do I do? You know, and why is it important to me and why do I do it? Um, and I think that I've been hearing that from the few musicians that I talk to. Uh, there is a general sense of of sort of second guessing what this is all about, or at least wondering what's important to us, you know. And uh, and I know that the thing that I keep coming back to is that I I like the wildlife. <laughs> I like being in close quarters with other people. I like performing to audiences that are excited and spitting on them, each other. And, and I like sharing microphones with my friends. And um, I like jumping in a van with a bunch of people and laughing and listening to music together and along the way. And I like having communal dinners with our hosts or the promoters. I it's hard to imagine how this would be fun for me if I was trying to be whatever this next thing's going to be like, yeah. you know, we've already been asked to do gigs and that's kind of why I'm thinking this way. It's like, Oh, well, I wouldn't even know how to do session Americana in this environment. It's a whole new tech for that. I don't have an answer though. I don't, I haven't gotten to where there's like a something I'm looking forward to. I feel like what I represent and what I do and what I love, it's a, sort of a dying thing anyway but maybe this will be the end of it do you really feel that way well not that this will be the end of it part that it's a dying i totally disagree well let me put it this way i've never thought the sort of ancillary part of being a performing musician the sort of lifestyle i never thought of that as a skill before mm. you know and i think it is Just being able to be happy and survive 
and spread joy um, and not lose perspective and to stay, keep moving and stay collaborative. And stay. it's a, it's a skill set, I think. And yeah. uh, it's hard to learn it. And I think you get it by, um, by being really with people and, um, and being intimate. And I think that uh, it's maybe not lost forever, but it's a lot of knowledge that's going away right now, probably. Yeah, if you get it through practice and now you can't really practice. I mean, so many really young new artists are are making music like in their bedrooms with themselves and with tech and with loop pedals. And I, I guess there I kind of see your point of like, just the nature of it is can be a lot more solitary these days. That's true. Yeah, and then the follow-up to that, what you just said is, I've been wondering, can I imagine finding a way to be excited about and good at doing this a different way? And at that, I really don't have the answer to. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it, it, this is going to be stages, it feels like to me, in that, you know, when this first started happening, we were all kind of thrown into our own little holes to to stay away from everybody else. You know, it was a shock to our system. And, and I think as we've all been solitary, in a way, it's been good for the soul. And we've kind of realized and kind of been able to ruminate about like, what am I missing? What is important to me? Who am I missing? And who do I like, who am I glad not to not, I don't mean to be negative here, but who am I glad not to see? And who, you know, how important is having those communal dinners and, and sharing that microphone and going to concerts? It's been it's been one of those things where, you know, I've always kind of fought for, you know, everyone's, you've got to go to live music. And so many people have not been to live music in such a long time. Mm -hmm. When they finally go to live music, they're like, why haven't I been going to live music? They forget how amazing it is. Mm -hmm. And now that musicians and people who have been going, who are used to going to live music, haven't been able to, you know, they've just kind of had to reevaluate their priorities and, now you can really know what am I missing, and uh, so I think you know the the sickness and the the horrible toll this has taken. I mean, we've all lost somebody to COVID. I'm sure I've lost some friends, and and I've I've seen a lot of musicians who have lost parents, and it's just been really horrible. But that horribleness aside, you know, I think we're now we're at a point where you know I kind of get your uh, you know I don't know where we're gonna go from here. I get it, and. I think that's the next stage is like, we're going to figure out where that's going to be. And I think in the fall or even the summer, we'll be in a different place and we'll just kind of adjust to whatever that is. I think this has been good for the soul. And I think it's time to move on and take that next step, whatever that is. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't, I don't feel ready to make that next step. You know, yeah. I mean, like Jordan Hall's close to next June at the least. My friends in Nashville are all talking about the fall of 2021 as being the time where they're being asked to go back to work. And then there's this whole other reality of like, what is this country we live in? Oh, like, I don't, I don't even know if I want to go out there and see these people. Yeah. It's just, it's, you know, it's messy. I don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's confusing. There's the instability with the disease, obviously, but there's other instabilities that are hard to grapple with somehow. I mean, anyway, I, I look forward to the next thing, though. And 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 I actually, <laughs> this is going to sound morbid, but like, I I've had such a great 
time in my last 10 years of doing this music. It's like, I don't, other people can do something cool and fun too. You know what I mean? Like it's, if it, if what I loved never comes back, I'll miss it, but I won't regret that things changed. I, I've, I've had, I've been blessed. I'm on the road to paradise. I think I know the way. Packed my bags this morning. Said my goodbyes yesterday. My friends, they wish me well. They all said I'd return for the Just a hell where I will burn Smile and I turn away Hell the curse beneath my tongue I said to my journey on Road to kingdom come Highways well trapped Rotted and scarred, littered with the dreams and bones those who went too far. So keep me close, and I'll keep you in kind. Just to talk about Session Americana a little bit, um, I thought we're certainly going to talk about the, your latest project. You know, that's been such the antithesis of what we've been doing. It's a communal group settings. I was reading the bio on Session Americana, and it talked about how, you know, you, you, you play a suitcase. And it reminded me, some of the greatest musical jams I've ever had was in my little apartment in New York when I lived in New York. And I had my acoustic guitar, and we couldn't have a drummer in the room because... We just didn't have room. You didn't have drums. So we just played whatever was around the shelf, the box that I had as a, as a coffee table that, and we were just all really kind of surrounding each other, really, really close knit and um, you know, really listening to each other. And that kind of close knit playing and jamming was some of the best jams I've ever had. And that's kind of what you seem to emulate when session Americana gets together. You're all kind of right on top of each other and, yeah, that's what I love about what you guys do. Just to jump on that quickly, I feel like one of the things I most love about a Session Americana show is like, it's obviously like well practiced, like you all really know your stuff, but it's also so loose. And like, I feel like so much of the beauty of going to a session show comes from that like spontaneity and that looseness and the comfort that you all feel with each other that really comes from like a lack of fear. And I, I think for mm. me, like as someone who is really pretty desperately missing concerts right now like really really missing concerts right now like I get emotional thinking about it just 
but you know, that comfort and closeness and like willingness to like really hone in on what the person across from you is doing and be, be able to work with that and respond to that. It's like, so it's so vivid when you go to a session show and yeah, I look forward to getting that back. We've had over the years, little taglines that we kind of, you know, how you call whatever you do, like troubadour or whatever. And we would always yeah. say, uh, for a while we were saying, and I still think this is a good one, a session where Arcana is not afraid to suck. <laughs> 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 no fear. <laughs> just, yeah, it's just part of the, it might be great, you know? And that's, I think, what's enabled that group to keep moving is that we have been willing to not be consistent, I think. Um, and that allows us to be surprised still. Because mm -hmm. if we had just honed in on something 14 years ago and kind of just grew that and made it, polished it and made it better and better, we'd be just, I mean, as it is, I don't know how we play beer town anymore, um, but it's like every time we play it, it's like a battle. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. I love yeah. that you're afraid to suck. I mean, we talk about fear a lot too, and and I love how that that being unafraid to make a mistake or to suck is what makes Session Americana so so great to listen to. It's because you're all you're all your own you're all individuals playing off of each other. Every time I see a, a, a session Americana video or, you know, something that's been going on live, there's somebody new in the, in the band. <laughs> you always have someone new in there who maybe hasn't rehearsed with you guys. And so you're just winging it and not afraid to make a mistake. That's what I love about it. Yeah. That's another reason why session is still a thing that we can call that name is because that we, well, I've grown in confidence that I, that the new group that's going to get on stage is going to do a good show, you know, and, and that it's always been surprising how many great people have just offered to join or, you know, in some cases begged to join. Did you not get my, my audition materials? Come on. You're sort of in the group. I'm not above begging. I'd love to join you. That's the other uh, critique that Sesh Americana has always gotten is um, is that it's the band that you kind of wish you were in, right? Yeah. If you're in the audience, you know, there's some bands you see and you're like, wow, this band is great. You might not think that about Session Americana, but you think, wow, I really wish I had a band like this. You mm. know? That's exactly what I think. I would love to have a band like that. And, and you know, and in the, and in the bio you talk about, it's kind of like the traditional Irish pub gathering in the corner kind of thing. Congratulations on the band. It's it's fantastic. And uh, and I'll be sending my audition tape uh, right after we talk today. Yeah. Been, I feel like it's been so long since we've caught up. I know, like, obviously, you've got the session stuff, but you've been working on your new album for quite yeah. a while. So I'm excited to talk about the new project. Yeah. I feel like you're someone who does a lot of different things. Like you've got your your solo project, you've got the band, like you always have something cool up your sleeve. I'm kind of curious to hear like how a, to talk about the new album, but also B, to kind of hear how the different pieces of what you're working on or what you're a part of are kind of like fitting together these days. Yeah, well, no, everything fits really loosely right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's no problem putting together that puzzle. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell the long version. When I burned out of my job 10 years ago. I, what were you doing? Uh, you don't mind me asking. I was in education, but I was a, um, I had become an administrator, a uh, technology administrator at a school, a small private school in Boston. And I did that for long enough that it burned me out. Um, 
I was in my late 30s and uh, married, and I had a five-year-old son. For a variety of reasons, I just thought, I'll do a gap year uh, here and do something else. And uh, my wife was in a position where she was finishing a degree, but she had an independent study that she needed to do um, like a final project. We moved to Ireland for a year. We rented our house and I lived there and I worked as a musician. I was in like three bands and I hosted a little session Americana kind of night uh, in my local pub. When I came home, I had assumed I had actually started applying for grad school, thinking I was going to go back into education to do arts administration rather than tech. I just I uh, was working with sessions still like part time ish. We would you know occasionally go do a tour, or play some shows. But when I got home, the governor was Mitt Romney, and they had just passed this new healthcare uh, program. While I was away, actually, our son had a medical issue that right when we got back that had to be dealt with, and it was expensive, and it was sort of terrifying for a second. So in that process, we rushed, what are we going to do with for insurance? And anyway, the state walked in and paid his bills. So at that moment, with my wife kind of free and ready to start joining the workforce again, and all of a sudden not needing to pay for health insurance, um, I had one of those entrepreneurial moments that you get when you live in a society that pays for stuff, you know, and decided, well, maybe I'll just try doing music. And one of the first things I thought of was... Um, I'd really like to do a record of my dad's songs. And it took 10 years <laughs> <laughs> of sort of ruminating and trying to find time. And But I had this feeling like it's got to be done. You know, it, I've been lucky enough to be able to do this for all that time, you know, play music full time and work with a lot of great people. Anyway, it was just, it was hard to find a way into this project just because it's very intimate and I just didn't know how to approach it. But I grabbed Duke for a couple of days and just played the songs down with an acoustic guitar, with Duke sitting next to me, and it was done. And then I planned my big world tour. <laughs> and then COVID hit. Oh, God. <laughs> Where were you supposed to go? And like, uh, I almost I was, don't want to ask. It wasn't that bad. Uh, a bunch of my friends were being very supportive of the project. And one one of the first things I was going to do was helped Jeff Focalt do a tour in Ireland in January. So I went over and opened for him there. And we, he decided he wanted to take me to England for 10 days or so. Uh, so that got thrown out the door. It was fine. It's not, not, not the end of the world. Um, actually, it was a funny... I guess I can say this now because it's over, but there was a funny thing that happened with that where um, we both paid for publicity because I had the album and I was like, okay, well, I got to get a publicist, right? So anyway, the publicist did a great job and like people all over the UK listened to the album and reviewed it and were publicizing the shows and, you know, it got a lot of interest, so to speak, but we didn't even have to go. <laughs> so it's sort of like Jeff and I were like, wow. We could have engineered this to happen this way. We hadn't even bought plane tickets. We just tell them you're coming. <laughs> so the album's called Time for This. And mm -hmm. I wonder if you could talk about your dad a little bit. I, if you go to ryecavanaugh.com, there's a video there that you do. But towards the end of it, you have a really amazing collage of some Super 8 film of your dad and and some pictures and of him playing and singing you know i wonder if you could just talk a little bit about your dad how did you choose the songs that you ended up with on the album well i mean start with the at the end which is that he passed away really young uh he was 48 when he died in mm. 1993 
I always get that wrong, but I think it was 93. And, um, and uh, I was 48 when I recorded the album, actually. So that was a hard year for me because I was, you know, there was a sort of sense of imminent death, you know, um, for myself last year. I was like, I got to get this done. <laughs> That's, he passed away really young. So it's been a while that he's been gone. And uh, he grew up in Connecticut. He was, um, which were, I was born in the same town he was, Stanford, Connecticut. And I was uh, born in Stanford, Connecticut. Oh, great. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> but I was only there for six months as, a, as an infant. And then we moved up to Boston. But I saw that. I'm like, oh, Stanford, Connecticut. You know, whenever we're on tour, just the past year, actually, I've been doing this thing where sometime in the show, at session show, I'll be like, so I'm from Connecticut. And not everyone, but like a lot of people in the audience will laugh. In Europe, like all I do is say I'm from Connecticut. What other state do people laugh? Right? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea, but Connecticut <laughs> is like the funny state for some reason. Yeah, it's I, hilarious. It's an hilarious state, obviously. It's if you said like I was from Maryland, people aren't going to laugh. No, that's not a funny state. Delaware, though. Delaware is hilarious. Delaware has a little <laughs> bit of Connecticut, yeah. Where was I? <laughs> anyway, so you, you were born in Connecticut. Uh, yes. Uh, so my dad. And he was like a pre-hippie, I guess. He's kind of a crazy person, I guess, um, in his way, even as a youth. But he started writing songs when he was in his early 20s. And, uh, you know, that mid to late 60s era, I guess it wasn't unusual to for people to pick up an acoustic guitar and try to write like Bob Dylan, you know, um, I think my dad was just one of those people. He always had like a group, you know, that played. Um, so when I was a baby and when I was a, a little kid, um, there was always mandolins and dobros and drums and acoustic guitars and electric guitars and stuff around the house and a bunch of crazy pot smoking musicians coming and going and, uh, cases and cases of these, uh, little tiny beer cans that they used to drink, I guess. He was like a musician for the the pleasure of it more than like a professional performing musician. I think that he wanted to be a professional, an artist. He considered himself to be an artist, but uh, he couldn't really make it work for a variety of reasons. Um, in the 70, early 70s, he, was, he played coffee houses and um, around here, actually. Um, we were living in Massachusetts for a lot of that time. Um, then he started this alter ego, I guess, for lack of a better word, which was a country singer called Bobby Ped. And that sort of happened right in the middle of that sort of urban cowboy craze. And that time he would be would have been, we were living in Connecticut and he was playing in New York at the Lone Star Cafe, which is so cool. I mean, I looked back this year to sort of thumb through and you can see ads from that era um, and the bands that were playing there was just uh, incredible and it was a tiny little venue and george uh my dad's um band would play there you know a couple times a month for a couple of years so it's amazing how exactly similar it all is like when you really look at it i mean my the scale of what i do is a little different and the time is a little different and i'm a different person but it's kind of the same it's kind of the same Coming down the track, making like a hundred and five. 
on a catcher on the grave She slows down at 35 And then I'll This express don't make no stops And life gets brighter up here On the mountaintops Ring on Carry on Ring on How did you gather the songs that you ended up putting on the album? I have all of his old notebooks and I have demos and I have, I can get access to most of the songs um, pretty easily. I went, I just listened to everything and read everything. I had to just put the papers all over the place and look through. And um, I was trying to find songs that um, I thought I could sing well. Um, that was really my criteria. Something that felt like, I could relate to. And I think that I mostly related to the simpler stuff. I think I like the sort of, I mean, not to criticize his work because nobody knows his work, but like some of the stuff was a little more wordy and mm -hmm. I don't really, I'm not, I don't really go for that as much. Um, that sort of, I guess, sixties Dylan language. I'm more of a seventies Dylan language. <laughs> <laughs> Were you already familiar with a lot of the songs? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was it was actually amazing to like it was like switching a light on. Like I just sat down and played the ball. Like that oh. was not even like a that much of an effort. Were was, were the recordings that you found that you hadn't heard ever or hadn't heard in such a long time? Or yeah, I've been forever. I mean, it's it's stuff from like when you're a baby. You know, yeah. there's actually a song on the record. The record's called "Time for This." That's the song that he wrote for me when I was a baby. There's a young fellow I know and he talks so oh, so silently and you kinda gotta get your head down and your ear up close here this I know cause he's my kid and that's why I listen he's talking from top of his head as he lies in the cradle he brings up his toes to the bottom of his nose he says it makes him feel at ease with the one i even played and his guitar uh, i've got it still got his same guitar you recorded it at 48 this yeah. which was you know the age that he passed away do you, was that somewhat intentional? Obviously, you'd been thinking about it for a long time, but you know, as you were kind of coming up on that age, did you kind of decide, like, okay, this is the time to do it, or was it a little more organic? 
I think the more time goes by since I changed age in April, <laughs> uh, it's been a month and a half. Happy uh, belated. Yes, I made it through. <laughs> I think I thought I was going to die. Mm. You know, I think I was terrified of dying and not having done the things that I wanted to do. And this was one of the things. And it was intentional, but it was only like procrastinating to the last possible minute, you know, yeah. um, before I thought, you know, subconsciously, I think I thought the end was could be there. Um, and you and you thought this because you're this is when your father had passed you this is what yeah and I've since found out it's kind of a thing even my GP was like yeah I, that's a thing and it's actually we pass it on to our kids so it's kind of weird did you feel like the process of of making the album kind of opened a window for you to to process that or to to think about it more consciously or is has it been more of like a pa a post album reflection that's kind of that's, brought you that is a post album reflection yeah. but a window did open and there's people interacting with george's music now a little bit and there was an article and there was reviews and and it's just really interesting to to say to my, you know I was talking to my brother we were joking it's like oh i have news from dad you know um i guess what i realized is that i've extended my relationship with him you mm. know, i've started a conversation with him again and now i feel like i have a new chapter in our relationship and it's been a wonderful chapter actually um so yeah it's good i mean you're so fortunate to be able to to have a father who wrote music and to be able to go and put out his songs that he wrote that no one maybe certainly now would would have heard that's a pretty special thing to be able to do it's somewhat unique i think yeah mm -hmm. And the fact that he's gone actually helps i hate to say it that's a horrible thing to say but it's no but i know what you mean. he's not kind of looming um it's and it's been a long time so i didn't expect it to feel the way it did and i i felt very joyous to do it when i first got to your website and so i, I mentioned earlier at the top of the website it has a video and um, about five minutes in or so there's a, a really well done performance of you your wife jennifer kimball and uh, duke levine playing carillon mm -hmm. I played it over and over again this morning. It's such a beautiful song. Um, especially the two guitars together and and with Jennifer's uh, harmonies. And that's the first song on the album, is it not? Yeah. I find that song to be very relaxing. That's kind of how I want to feel these days. You know? Yeah. That's the one thing I like about, even though I re regret that not I can't play these songs for as many people as I would like to right now. I, at the least, I feel like I'm putting an album out that emotionally feels like where I want to be right now. I want people to hear this record because I, I don't think it'll upset them. You know, I think it'll relax them a little bit. Um, yeah. Not that any music I make would upset you, but you know. I feel like there's but, also this, um, this kind of additional point of comfort from your album right now, which is like, you know, we're in the midst of this global pandemic. And I think there's like a lot of existential fear about people losing their parents, losing people they love who have health vulnerabilities. And there is something a little extra special about, you know, you having successfully created this new chapter and this like new element of your relationship with your father, even long after he's passed. But I feel, I bet a lot of people find comforting on that level also is like, there's this element of um, comfort in continuation that, can be really like reassuring at a time like this when I think people are are feeling a lot of like existential anxiety. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. You know, I, I feel like making things is critical to being human being. 
that's sort of my philosophy, right? And I think the fact that my father made stuff, you know, it might not have seemed that valuable at the time, or maybe it was challenging or whatever. It's not easy, right? <laughs> um, but it's something that you pass on. It's something that lives. It's something that happens. I, I really want to encourage people to try to chase, you know, whether you like making workbenches or dollhouses or songs or paintings or watercolors. I just feel like it's so discouraged in our culture, all of those things. And they're so wonderful to have them when people yeah. are gone, you know, whatever it is. I'm excited to see you. I've never seen such an Americana live and I'm excited to see that. I'm wow. excited to, I know it's my loss and I'm excited for you to eventually, I assume this is going to happen to, to tour the album it's a, such a great album. You know, are you planning for that or is it kind of something you put aside or? My temptation is to say that it's not happening. You know, um, mm. that, that I don't, I don't foresee getting to a place where I want to go back. Yeah. Um, I think that I'll be going to something else and I hope that this music really becomes part of what the next thing is, you know? Um, but I, I can't imagine trying to, it's going to be a while before I feel comfortable enough to get out there and do what I do uh, in front of people. Um, I can start recording again pretty soon, I think, I hope. Um, yeah. No, I don't think there's, this wasn't a postponement. This was a cancellation. So you think Session Americana will start playing these songs or were you playing these songs before? We recorded one of the songs of my dad's a while back. We might revisit that one. Yeah. Trinity. We recorded it with Rose Ponzani and Charles yep. Staples. And, but Session, you know, it's, there's so many songs. Yes. <laughs> Do you have a sense for what is next? It's an impossible question at impossible. this time. But I, I work as an artist manager and like have spent a lot of time over the past few weeks thinking about t the rest of 2020 and beginning of 2021. Like, as you were saying, like, if it's still going to be a long while before people can really get back out and, and play shows, like, you know, what do we focus on? And, and more and more, I wonder if um, listeners and just music fans, people, humans mm -hmm. are going to like really focus on like re-embracing purchasing recorded music or kind of re-embracing the concept of the album. Um, yeah. Now, if you want music, you really have to think about like, all right, well, if you like an artist, like look at their projects, not just like shuffle a bunch of singles. I think, you know, singles are like candy in a way that where like an album is a square meal in a little, in a, in a way. And I think. I like that. That was like, good. Thank you. Like your album coming out. A bunch of artists I love put out albums like in the past few weeks. And yeah. it's, it's actually like, it's been the real silver lining to me that I feel like usually I would be like, oh, I'll, I'll go to their show and that's how yeah. I'll hear the music. And then yeah. if I like it, like I'll go back to the album. But now sure. it's like, you really have a reason to set aside the time to go through and listen to all these albums. And I mean, that is how we should be honoring people's music. Like artists spend so much time and energy thinking about how to present those songs, how to record those songs for posterity and how to, how to frame a whole project. And I wonder like, while I'm sure there's an element of disappointment of like having to cancel the tour. I, I mean, I hope that like a lot of people then will come to the album and, and really listen through, you know? You know what? The truth is it doesn't matter how many people come to it. It's just that if they do, some of them do, it's yeah. really rewarding if someone, even a few people, and I've already had that happen to me with this project, more than a few, you know, it's just, I could tell they listened to it all the way through and they were moved by it and they wanted to, to 
tell me that. And that's incredibly important. And just as a tag on to what you were saying about the album, there's no reason why an album should be that length or, you know, like, but, but that's the architecture of my life of my art. Um, It's that form. And I know that's what's coming next is that I want to do work I believe in and that I'm comfortable with and that I'm good at and that I love doing and I don't care about chasing whatever the next thing is. If I become less and less successful, whatever that means, as a result of that pursuit, it really doesn't bother me. That's the thing I know for sure, is that I love what I do, and I love the people that I work with, and I love the way we do our work. You called to tell me everything's fine. Trying to give me some kind of alibi But I ain't taking no more calls Put up the no one's phone Sign on the wall Well, I woke up this morning To a phone call from God Wanted to know whether or not I thought it was odd The sun had left this morning Saying something about the coast Wanted to know if I could help him Get in touch with the Holy Ghost You called to tell me Everything was
We would like to thank Rye Kavanaugh for joining us and for the fantastic new album. I personally am very much looking forward to seeing him and Session Americana live once we get to the new normal, whatever that happens to be. You can get his music and more information at ryekavanaugh.com. Thanks again to Christina Latino for co-hosting. You can see what she does at cornerscape.com. Go to abovethebasement.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. From all of us at Above the Basement, thanks for listening. Tell your friends, and remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique. <laughs>